Well, here we go. Good morning. Good to see you all. This is, as Allison said, is the last uh, uh, message of this series. I'm so excited about next week where we get to hear some encouraging reports about what God has done and is doing. And I've had a chance to hear some of those already, so I'm really excited about you guys having a chance to hear them as well. Um, want to welcome those who are online and uh, joining us via technology. And uh, so you're part of us as well, and we're glad you're here. Um, you know, prayer offers so many positive things to each one of us, and yet it's something that we can miss out on if we don't understand the real value of it, if we don't understand the real value of prayer. I was thinking about that, and I was reminded of the story that I read about a guy who was coming from Europe to America via ship. This was prior to airplanes, you know, being the main man, uh, mode of transportation across the Atlantic. Took nine days to get there from Europe to the U.S. by ship. And this guy decided, I'm going to save some money. I'm going to take some food along so I won't eat in the dining hall and all that kind of stuff. And when I get there, then I'll have saved that money. So he bought his ticket. He gets on board. He, he had packed a lot of cheese and crackers and, you know, just some, just to get by. And he comes up to the day before they're, they're going to arrive in New York City. And he thought, you know what, man, this has been, this has been a long, long eight days. I want to get myself one really good meal. So uh, he decided to splurge. He goes up to the dining hall, walks in there, gets the menu, looks at the menu, and he's, he's just salivating. He can't wait to be able to get some of this food he's looking at all on the menu. But, he's, but then he called the waitress over and he says, hey, I'm trying to decide what I should order for my meal before uh, today. He said, and, 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 and I don't see any prices here. And she said, well, sir, that's because the meals were included in your ticket. Oops, somebody said, oops, yeah, yeah. Misunderstanding the ship's ticketing system, he had failed to receive what was rightly his and had already been paid for. He did it without it. I couldn't help but think of that when I thought of prayer and the prayer life of a believer. Many of us are like that guy from a spiritual perspective, spiritually impoverished when it's right there and it's already been paid for. It's available to us. And we miss out on the benefits that could be ours if we would just intentionally persist in prayer. And I think that's what it often takes, is intentionally persisting in prayer. Listen to what D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said about prayer. He says, prayer demands no special dress. In other words, you don't have to get dressed up to do it. Prayer demands no special place. I prayed this morning as I, in my bed as I woke up, and we can and prayed here again today as we got here. Prayer demands no special eloquence. Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to be good at putting words together. It does not matter. Prayer demands no special scholarship. You don't have to get educated in order to pray. You can just pray. Uh, prayer never struts. Prayer seeks no applause. Prayer defies definition. It eludes explanation. Prayer is birthed in time, but it grasps eternity. And prayer strengthens the weak and actually weakens the strong. Prayer touches the power of the world to come. And it avails because it prevails. And then he closes his little statement on prayer with a sentence. 
Our ultimate position as Christians is tested by the power of our prayer life. Our ultimate position as Christians is tested by the power of our prayer life. So the power of our prayer life can actually be improved. It can actually be improved. And we can do it alone, but really the Word of God encourages us to do it together. It encourages us to do that together. And that's why this morning, as we're talking about this, last week we talked about the breakthrough. The week before we talked about putting on the armor. And this week I want to talk about how we can multiply our prayer power. And here's how. Praying with and for others multiplies our prayer power. It's like adding that multiplication sign right to it. Isn't it a relief that God has placed other people around us to care about us, to pray for us, to encourage us. And, and if you have not had that experience, then I'm going to suggest you're either new here or you're not in a small group yet. And if you want to have somebody praying for you, encouraging you, caring for you, we need to get into that connection because that's what Jesus called his body. That's how close he wanted us to operate, like our bodies operate together as one piece. We were doing the follow-up uh, podcast last week to the uh, message about breakthrough prayer, and uh, Brian mentioned the fact that, he says, you know, so many times when I've had a breakthrough, other people have been involved. And, and I think you, you kind of miss that, you know, uh, talking about breakthrough, that, that having other people involved is another way for breakthrough. And I said, that's so funny, because actually that's what we're talking about next week. And he was not aware of that. And I said, and, and the, you're right. It's so important. I felt it needed a week of its own for us to be able to focus on that. God did not design us to go it alone. Our Western culture is totally different, right? It tells us the, the great thing is to be independent, man. You know, you're going to be the one who solves it all. You're the lone ranger. You're the one who's the, at high noon, man. And you're going to take it on. And you're going to win this thing on your own. And, and somehow we, as a culture, we, we, we lift those people up. We say, wow, look at those kind of, they did it. And they did it on their own. I did it. I pulled up on my bootstraps and I did it. All right. Usually there's a whole bunch of other people involved in that process of success, isn't it? And God designed us to work together that way. Now here's the thing. When other people love you, pray for you, care for you, then in order for it to be a mutual relationship, you need to be doing the same thing for them, right? That's what a mutual relationship, how that works. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 7, 12, do for others what you would like them to do for you. When Jesus said this, it was a little bit of an interesting thing because the culture he was in, they actually said, do to others what they do to you. And that was kind of the saying. And now Jesus comes and says, do to others what you would like them to do to you. That's a little different take on that, isn't it? When you think about that. So maybe you've been in a place where Christians did not treat you like you would like them to. They didn't show they cared. They didn't encourage you. They didn't pray for you. Maybe they didn't forgive you. So what would Jesus do then? What, what would his response to that be? I think what his response would be is don't treat them as they treat you. Treat them as you would like them to treat you. 
And when we start doing that, we start, we start exemplifying Jesus in our relationships with other people. Never look for justice or grace in this world, but never fail to give it. Because that's the mark that sets us apart, friends, as believers, is when we demonstrate the love of Jesus regardless of what people do to us or how they treat us. That's the mark of a true believer in Christ. In order to make the most of your prayer life, you need to pray with and for others. We need others to protect us, to support us, to share with us, to grieve with us, to love us, to pray for us, to encourage us. Today we're going to focus on uh, Ephesians chapter 6, just one verse, verse number 18. It's the verse that Paul wrote concluding his great message on prayer. What came before that was what we talked about two weeks ago with the armor of God and praying on putting on the armor of God. And now he concludes this section in verse number 18 by writing this. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. And be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. So let's start at the beginning of this verse. The first way to multiply your prayer power is to pray in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit multiplies your prayer power. The Spirit now, when you pray in the Spirit, He is beginning to pray through you. Well, when the Spirit prays through you, you can count on the fact that He is praying what God wants prayed. Because He is God. And that will multiply your prayer power. Say, well, how do I do that, Cliff? How in the world do I pray in the Spirit? You ask the Spirit to pray through you. That's how you pray in the Spirit. And and, and the Word of God tells us that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and our our Lord, we accept the price He paid for our sins. And we say, Lord, I'm going to make you my Savior. You are my Savior. I'm going to make you my Lord also. The Bible tells us at that moment the Holy Spirit is deposited inside of us. If you have made that decision, the Holy Spirit resides inside of you. Now the question is, how much rain are you going to give Him? Because you see, you can keep him from having any kind of action inside of you. Or you can choose to say, man, I want everything I do to be a reflection of you inside of me. The Holy Spirit of Jesus inside of me. That's what I want to have happen. So I'm going to ask him to actually pray through me for the people that he's asking me to pray for, for the circumstances, the situations that he is asking me to pray for. And he will lead you while you are praying. He'll give you an idea of, of, of a, or a burden about something, or he'll, he'll bring somebody to your mind, and he'll, he'll start to do it consistently. And when you're saying, Look, Holy Spirit, I want to be listening to you. I want to be paying attention to you. I want to do what you're telling me to do. I want to pray for whoever you're telling me to pray for. He will put somebody in your mind like that, and now you just say, okay, I'm not even sure what to pray. I'm just going to pray for this person, and I'm asking you to lead me and direct me in that. Lloyd-Jones says that this means the Holy Spirit directs the prayer, creates the prayer within us, and empowers us to offer it and to pray it. So the Holy Spirit leads us to pray the very will and purpose of God. Did you get that? Prayer, prayer lets us partner with God in His plans and His purposes. Prayer lets us partner with Him, with God Almighty, with his plans and his purposes, because his spirit is inside of us. So we get to pray that way. 
I was thinking about this and, and, and I thought, how do I get this across in a way that, that is helpful, that people can really kind of get? And I thought, you know what, Lord, what if I just prayed for somebody? And I intentionally thought, I don't, I don't, I don't want to just, I don't want to write a prayer out. I just want you to direct and lead me in that. And, um, and I really kind of thought, I said, Lord, show me who I should pray for. And honestly, I was thinking about embarrassing somebody who is here and uh, praying for you at this moment, uh, whoever you might be. But as I thought of that this morning, and I just, uh, somebody kept coming to my mind. And I think often this is the way the Holy Spirit works. And this person has actually come to my mind several times this past week. And the person is Jan Rogers. Many of you know Jan Rogers. She uh, attended here. She was here. Uh, I think she was, was she here at the very beginning of the church? I think she was. Wasn't she, Allison? Was she at the start? Yeah. So she, and, and this past year, she moved to Idaho. She was very involved in the church. So she's in Idaho right now. She may or may not be watching this online, and that's okay, uh, because she can't do anything about it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought, Lord, I, so let's just, let's, let's pray for Jan. Amen. And let's let the Holy Spirit lead how we pray for Jan. So that's what we're going to do, okay? Right now, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to come and to speak through me the words you would have spoken over Jan. Amen. Lord, you just showed me that she is your loving daughter, and you love her. You care about her. What's going on in her life matters to you. So Holy Spirit, I pray by the power of Jesus that you would let her sense that, that you would let her know that. I pray for peace for her with her family, with other people that she's interacting with there in Idaho. I pray, Lord, for the ministry that you have for her, that you would release her into it, that you would make it clear the steps that you would want her to take, and that you would show up in ways that would demonstrate to her with absolute clarity that you are not done with her, that you're using her again in a new, in different ways. And Lord, I pray for, uh, I pray for her heart as she seeks you. I pray for her health right now, Lord, that you would just minister to that, that, that you would give her a sense of your presence now, and God, that you would also bring to her mind the things that she would pray for. And Lord, thank you that you have made her a prayer warrior for you and that she understands what it means to, to, really, to really bring prayer to you. So God, I pray that you'd encourage her in that, that you'd strengthen her in that, and that you would give her obvious answers that come only from you for her prayers. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So uh, we just, who has God put it on your heart and mind? And you can just say, Holy Spirit, lead me in that, would you? Sometimes it'll surprise you what you will find yourself praying for somebody um, because you may not know what's going on in their life. And then he directs you to pray something that way. Uh, it intercedes for us. One of the cool things about the Holy Spirit interceding for us on our behalf is it takes the pressure off of us. So if you're thinking, man, but I don't know how to pray, that's all right. You say, Lord, Holy Spirit, you show me how to pray. And, and, and he says, you know what? I will do that through you even if you don't do it well. I'll intercede through you. In Romans 8, 26, it says, in the same way, the Spirit also comes to help us, weak as we are, for we do not know how we ought to pray. The Spirit himself pleads with God for us in groans that words cannot express. 
Sometimes God gives somebody a prayer language, and the, and the Bible tells us that when somebody is praying in tongues to God alone, that in that particular case, it says they're actually speaking mysteries to God, because they don't even know what they're saying. And, but they're actually being edified themselves, it says, even though they don't know what they're saying. And, and I've got a friend who, when he prays for somebody, he's told me, he says, Cliff, I've never had that thing where I've, I've talked in tongues or anything like that. I've never done that. But boy, when I'm praying for somebody and I forget what words, I, I don't have any more words to say, but it's just, it's just a burden that's on me, I'll actually find myself just beginning to groan. And it reminds me of that scripture. And I started laughing. It's the scripture we're talking, we just read to you right now. The Holy Spirit is groaning. He's interceding. Even if you aren't saying the words, when you are in that position between you and God, he is. And you can be sure of that. That's what he tells us in his word. The spirit wants to be able to do that. Oswald Chambers says, we are energized by the Holy Spirit for prayer. The Holy Spirit himself prays in us that which we cannot utter ourselves. God searches your heart, not to know what your conscious prayers are, but to find out the prayer of the Holy Spirit and what it is. So when you pray in the Spirit and you ask him to, to, to direct in you and control that, then you're going to multiply your prayer power. And here's another way to multiply your prayer power. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Isn't that a cool thought? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I said, when you've accepted Christ, he resides inside of you. He sees that as a temple that he is residing in, who lives in you and who was given to you by God. So the Holy Spirit uses us as a temple. Now watch this. Jesus, when he was in the temple, the physical temple in Jerusalem, and he was so upset about the way that the, 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 the people were selling people, stuff in the temple and all that. You might remember the story. He braided a whip together. He drove them out of the temple with a whip, turned the tables over the money exchangers and everything else. And here's what he says on that, when, he, when he did that. He says, my house, talking about the temple, shall be called a house of prayer. And you're defiling it by what you're doing inside of it. And that's why he was so angry because he said, you're defiling my father's house. And this should be a house of prayer, the temple. Are the dots connecting? The Holy Spirit of God resides in you. The Holy Spirit of God resides in you and sees your body as his temple of prayer through which he gets to pray. Oh, wow. It says something about the way we should approach our bodies too, doesn't it? With respect as God's temple, because that's what they are. We are that house, a house of prayer, a prayer temple. So here's the deal. Seeing your body as a temple of prayer for the Holy Spirit multiplies your prayer power. When we see our body as a temple of prayer for the Holy Spirit, it will multiply our prayer power. To have a wonderful prayer life, friends, you must have the person of the Holy Spirit actively involved in you and giving him the reason and the right to do just that. He'll amaze you. He will direct you. He, and if your prayer life is lackluster, if it's dry, if you've been trying to sing, you'll cliff, I've been trying to do this, this devotional. I've been trying to do the adventure and it hasn't been very adventurous for me. I, it's been hard for me to get by. It's been hard for me to do. I just want to encourage you, don't quit. 
Don't quit. Find another way. Keep going after it because when he begins to activate it, we need him because he brings the power. Amen. He brings the power. So realizing that you have the Holy Spirit in your temple and giving him permission to pray through you multiplies the power of prayer. Now, not only that, but how often you pray multiplies the power of prayer. So now let's go back to verse 18 and we'll see that. Uh, it begins, pray in the Spirit, we just covered that, at all times and on every occasion, it says. Stay alert, be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere, at all times and on every occasion. So praying at all times multiplies your prayer power. Well, how in the world do you pray at all times? That's, that's kind of ridiculous. I cannot do that, Cliff. Here's how you do it. It's a state of mind. It's a state of mind. To be, you know what, uh, here's, here's what I know you can do. If you and I are in a conversation, we're, we're, we're face to face, and I'm talking to you about, uh, well, how was your day? How's things been going? And you're looking at me, do you know, and you're going, uh, and inside, you can be having two conversations at one time, can't you? Because he can be looking at me right in the eye and going, man, you know what, I sure do think you are one powerful preacher. Or inside, he can, he can be saying that with his mouth, and inside, he can be thinking, and God help you because you really need it. And that could be his prayer, right? So you can do those two things at one time. So when it says pray at all times, and, and the way that Paul wrote it in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he said pray without ceasing. It's that idea of a state of mind where I'm always thinking about, now I'm talking to you, and as I'm talking to you, Lord, do you have something you want me to say? And, and I can be listening to you and, and, and praying that at the same time. That's that kind of prayer that we're talking about. Prayer must be a major part of our lives that way. And one of the reasons it needs to be, friends, is because the enemy is out there not wanting it to be. He wants to distract you. He wants to keep you from thinking about this. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sensible and vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking someone he may devour. Sensible and diligent means be thinking about it. Be on top of it. It's not a day for complacency. We are not in a time of complacency. As a nation, as a people of God, as a church, we need to be about praying. Praying alone and praying with others. Because praying with and for others multiplies your prayer power. Ephesians 6.18 in the ESV, it says, pray always with all prayer and supplication. So I love that because it adds, it kind of puts the two in there together. Now what, so what in the world is supplication? Well, if you look at the supplication in, in the original language, it tells you it's a special time of need. So what, what Paul is saying is pray always on all occasions. That means that state of mind of prayer where you're always thinking of as you're just doing your day, as you're just doing your day, you're, you're having this little quiet conversation with God on the inside and that's your, your ongoing prayer. Supplication is now I've got a special need. So now I've got something specific that I'm stopping and praying for. And, and that's when we get those things that we heard last week about what's it take for a breakthrough where we start praying for the humble, urgent, desperate, surrendering place where, God, this is a thing I'm trying to bring to you. This is the thing I want to pray about here. That's supplication. So he's saying you should be doing both, not just one, but both. Uh, the one goes on and on all the time. The other is at those special times for those special needs. Then the last part of the verse, 18b, he says, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers. Well, that says we've got to be praying for other people. And it says to be 
persistent. So praying intentionally and persistently multiplies your prayer power. Praying intentionally and persistently multiplies your prayer power. I, man, I hope that, I just really hope and pray that you, that you get those two words, intentional persistence, because that's what it takes if you want to have a successful prayer life and really see the Holy Spirit begin to move in and through you and see God answer prayers in even supernatural ways. I want to tell you something, friends. He's still doing it. He really is. Some of you have seen it. I've heard some of the testimonies. He is doing that. It takes us being intentionally persistent in our prayer life, saying, this is a priority to me. Communicating with God is a priority to me because he has saved me eternally, and he has wiped away my sins, and he's done every, he has changed my life. Of course I want to communicate with him. Of course I'm going to communicate with him. I want to hear what he has to tell me. So when you become intentionally persistent, man, the Bible is full of examples and accounts of people who were intentionally persistent, and because of that, God answered them in supernatural ways. It's Jacob in Genesis chapter 32 at Peniel, when he is wrestling with an angel all night long, and, 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 the, and, and he will not let the angel go. He says, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. And he wrestles all night with that angel, intentionally, persistently, not letting him go until the angel finally says, okay, I'll bless you. And he touches his hip, and for the rest of his life, Jacob walks with a limp, reminding him of what it was like to wrestle with God. But he's changed. He's seen God act in a supernatural way because he has been intentionally persistent. It's Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 4 who comes to the Shunammite woman's uh, son who has, been, who has died. And at first he sends his servant ahead with a staff and says, just touch him with a staff and he'll be healed. But he's not healed. And Elisha gets there and he begins to pray for him. He gets up on the bed next to him and lays on him, praying for him to come to life. And he gets off again. He seems warmer, but he's still not alive. He's still just laying there. And he gets down again a second time. And he prays for him, laying down next to him again. And he gets back up expecting to be healed. And he's still not, still not healed. He's intentionally persistent. And he gets down there a third time. And he prays for him again. And he gets up. And that time, the little boy wakes up. He sneezes seven times, it tells us. And he's okay. I guess he couldn't stand him laying on him a fourth time. He got up and said, I'm, I'm, I'm up, I'm going. Here it, here it is, intentionally persistent. It's blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10 where Jesus is getting ready to leave Jericho and Bartimaeus hears about him coming down the road and he starts yelling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people tell him, shut up, would you be quiet? He ain't got time for you. He's talking to other people. He's leaving the city and he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he keeps yelling it and keeps screaming it intentionally, persistently yelling out for Jesus to pay attention to him. And finally Jesus turns and says, come here. Tell him to come here. And he gives him sight because he wouldn't let him go intentionally, persistently praying. It's Elijah in 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18, Elijah's, Elijah has just gotten to having this incredible battle. You'll have to read about it if you haven't before. It's amazing how God helped him win the battle against the idol Baal that all the people were following. And after that, no rain for three years. And after that, Elijah tells the king, it's going to rain. 
And he goes to the top of Mount Carmel and it says that he gets down on his knees and he puts his head between his knees and he says, oh God, send the rain. Send the rain, God. Send the rain. And he looks up and his servant is there and he tells the servant, go to the edge and look and tell me, can you see anything? And the servant goes to the edge and he looks and he says, he comes back and he says, no, there's nothing out there. And, and, and Elijah gets back down again and he goes, God, send the rain. Send the rain. Three years of drought. You've told me it's going to rain. God, send the rain. Prove your power. You've done it once. Do it again. And he looks up and he says, go look again. And the guy goes over there and looks and he comes back and he says, no, still no rain. Oh, God, send the rain. Intentionally, persistently. He doesn't stop. Not once, not twice, not three times. Seven times. Seven times he sends that guy out there. And finally, the seventh time, he comes back and he goes... There's a cloud out there right above the water. It's about the size of a man's hand. And Elijah gets up and says, tell the king he better get going because it's going to rain and he won't get back home if he doesn't hustle. And God sends a rain in a torrent. Intentionally, intentionally, persistently coming after God, not letting him go, saying, God, I know who you are. I trust in you. I'm following you, but I'm not going to let go of you. I'm going to keep coming after you. It's a story that Jesus told about the widow in Luke chapter 18 who comes before an unjust judge and the judge doesn't want to hear her. He ignores her. She's begging him to uphold her case against an enemy. He won't have anything to do with her. She's poor. She can't bribe him. She's got nothing for him. And he ignores her, but she persists. She is undeterred. She keeps coming back. She keeps coming back. She bugs him so badly that finally he says, okay, and he gives her justice. Jesus said when telling that story in Luke chapter 18, verse number 6, do you hear what that judge, corrupt as he is, is saying? So what makes you think God won't step in and work justice for his chosen people who continue to cry out for him? Won't he stick up for them? And then in verse 8, I assure you, he will. He will not drag his feet. But how much of that kind of persistent faith will the Son of Man find on the earth when he returns? That persistent, intentionally persistent faith. Don't give up. Don't be dissuaded. Intentionally persist in prayer. Sometimes, you know, when we lack faith, we end up crying out, where are you, God? Where are you? I've been praying, and I, and, and, I, and I think I've been intentional. I think I've even been persistent, but I'm not seeing you. I don't know where you are. Why don't I see more of your hand working in and around me, God? Where is the God of Elijah? Where is the God of Elisha? Where is the God of Peter, Paul, and even of Hannah who prayed and prayed in front of you? Well, where are you, God? You might have asked those kinds of questions in your mind. Can I, can I tell you what I think God would say to us in that place? Today, I believe that what he would say is this. Here I am. But where are the Elijahs? Where are the Elishas? Where are the Peters, the Pauls, the Hannahs? Where are the people who will humble themselves and pray and seek my face? 
Where are those who will repent of worldliness, of laziness, and sin, who will hold on to me and pray and pray and pray until I rain my blessings down on them? That's what he wants to do for you and I. And his blessings, friends, oh, wow. Wow. Oh, they're, they're, they're so much more than we can imagine. And they're not just they're not just the financial stuff or this or that. He's got such a bigger picture in mind. And he says, I'd like to pour that out on you, but I need to know. I need to know you want to be in relationship with me. Not just for what you get, but because of who I am. And then when you come, and you intentionally persist. You get a hold of me. I'll begin to open up the storehouses of heaven and pour things out for you. Listen, friends, we need to keep coming back in prayer. Getting a hold of him for ourselves, doing business with God for the Lord's sake, for our sake, for this church's sake, for our family's sake, for the community's sake, and goodness knows, for our country's sake. Intentionally and persistently praying with and for others multiplies your prayer power. Oh, how we need people who will do that. So today as we close, I have an action plan for you. Uh, on, your, on the chairs, you, when you sat down, you saw some little things that look like this, little sheets of prayer requests. And here's what I'd like you to do. Um, if you have a prayer request for yourself or for someone else that you would like someone to pray for all throughout this next week, I would like you to put that on this prayer request, okay? We're going to, in just a minute here, Hayden's coming up here and the worship team is, we're going to, we're going to uh, close by singing a couple of songs together. And when we're doing that, uh, you can fill this out. And then at the end of the first song, uh, the ushers will come out and you can drop it and then pass a bucket by. You can drop it in the bucket, okay? So here's how it works. Uh, you're going to put this slip of paper in the bucket that says what you would like prayed for. You can put your name on it if you want. You don't have to put your name on it. Who, uh, whoever's praying for you, it might might be nice for them to have a name, but that's strictly up to you. You can do more than one. So I'm going to put, I've got three of them here that I have already filled out this morning. I'm going to put these three in the bucket. And one of them is for uh, a friend of mine, Terry and Sandy Kaiser, and I explain what's going on with them. And then Ron and Joyce Panzero, who uh, have been the last two months, have just been dealing with a lot of physical issues, and they are people who love the Lord, got all kinds of mission stuff going on. It's been, he's recovering from COVID. Anyway, I, somebody else is going to get this and can pray with me on their behalf. And then I have another one here. Pray for God to send us the right pastor for Arbor, one who gets the mission that God has for Arbor, who will empower each member to carry out God's assignment for them. That's the kind of pastor that I believe we're looking for. So uh, I'm going to put these three in that bucket. What that means now is this. Listen up. It means when I leave, I'm taking three out. And I'm going to pray for those three all week long, okay? So uh, if you get one of your own pulled back out, you can go for it again. You can drop it back in and grab another one if you'd like, okay? And so uh, however many you put in, you can put in one, two, three. You can put in more than that. 
There's plenty of those things around on empty chairs. Uh, and then as you put them in, just take out the same number that you put in and commit to praying for them this week. Here's why that prayer is so important. Because James 5, 16 says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Who is a righteous person? Who is? Thank you. He is. Who else is? Who else is a righteous person? Put your hand up if you're righteous. Yes, you are. You are. You are. Why are you righteous? Because Christ has covered your sins, right? Therefore, your prayers are powerful, and I can't wait to see what God does for the people you will pray for this week. Lord, bless the prayers. Bless our times. Answer them in ways that demonstrate who you are, your greatness, and that you're our King of kings and our Lord of lords. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes. Okay. Uh, here's a great urgent prayer request from Greg Ishmael. He's one of our missionaries, uh, trains pastors around the world. Um, I have, a, I have a prayer request on behalf of my best friend and vice president of Global Training Network, Joel Madsen, and his wife, Kathy. They both have COVID on a recent ministry trip uh, to Florida. And uh, it's become worse, especially with Kathy, who has autoimmune deficiencies and has recently struggled with it over the last 10 days. Uh, last night, she was admitted to a hospital in Monroe, uh, but then was transferred to Evergreen. Um, she's not doing well, apparently has some... Uh, pneumonia and stuff like that and uh, obviously with the way the hospitals are now Joel can't be with her so please pray for them and for a miracle and a turnaround for Kathy would you do that for us Brian would you grab that mic right there and pray for us as we uh, as we close in prayer when Brian is done praying we'll uh, stand and worship the Lord together Lord 